This is the Saturday show. A big thank you to all of you for joining us here on the Zone Sports Network. Yes, we are back. It's been nearly a year, if not over a year, since we have done this fine program, but we are back. My name is Jay Catch, and sitting across from me is my good friend Alex Lundberg. Alex, what is up? Oh, you know, just living the life, loving, you know, being back in the in in the studio again, you know, and on this side of the glass this time. You I know. know. This is the first for me. So I was gonna say, you, you you've been with the Saturday you've worked the Saturday show before, but you've been on the other side of the glass in the producer's studio, but right. this is your first time in the co host chair. Yeah, so. it's it's uh you know it, it's a new experience for me. I'm really excited, and uh, you know, hopefully, I'm tolerable. So, no, this is going to be a fun venture. And for those of you out there who are probably wondering, okay, what's this new iteration of what the Saturday show is going to look like? Well, it's going to be similar to the old format. Let's be clear about that. But still, we're going to mix in some new things. We'll have different hosts, uh, guys like Alex, myself, Johnny Lightfoot will be a part of it. Our other part-time uh, board ops and producers will also be involved producing and all that stuff. And we're going to have a lot of fun. Of course, we're going to talk about sports. That's what we're here for, obviously. But uh, Alex, do you, do you prefer Lundy or Alex? Do you care? Uh, I don't personally have a preference. Okay. I know that most people call me Lundy just because okay. it's, well, you know, like, yeah, you know, like, I mean, even my parents call me Lundy most okay. of the time. So well, here to four moving forward, you are now Lundy on the Saturday show. Perfect. I, I love it. All right. Sweet. OK, so Alex or Lundy. He is our jazz producer. That's kind of your main gig here at the station. So he, you make David Locke and Ron Boone sound better than they actually are. Let's be clear about that. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they you know they do a good job and uh, they they keep me employed. So you know they they keep me around. So that's the name of the game right there. But you have a lot of fun and you have a really really unique insight into the Utah Jazz because you're, you're so engrossed in it during the games. You sit here in this producer's box is what I like to call it, or a studio, but literally a game's going on not even 200 feet away from you, and how much Utah Jazz basketball have you seen live this year? Uh, probably more than I have in the 10 years before this. Okay, So, I mean, like, okay. I mean, I've seen, you know, like there was a stretch of time, you know, and admittedly, you know, I became a sports fan because mm-hmm. of the Utah Jazz growing up here. Okay. You know, I remember where I was when Stockton hit the shot, you know, like everybody sure. basically that grew up at that time in this state. Um, but I kind of admittedly fell off the bandwagon a little bit when Stockton retired. Okay. Because so much of, you know... It was tied my, up in that, obviously. Right, yeah. yeah. Just growing up, watching the best to ever play that position, it was hard to continue to watch when that was the the standard. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the guy that replaces him, it's like, well, he's not as good. And yeah. so, like, there were a few years where I kind of casually followed. Okay. And then... Sloan retired, and it took a couple of years for me to actually watch another game. Not just not because like I was actively protesting or anything. I no. just kind of you know, but it had been ramping up and ramping up, and I'd been watching more and more because the team, you know, the past few years has been fun. It's yeah. been a lot of fun, and then this year, I mean, you know, obviously I'm here every single day <laughs> watching all of it. Yeah, you're going so, through audio. You're you're playing these interviews and all that stuff. Let's explore that just a little bit though cuz I, I don't think your experience is atypical of many jazz fans. Many of us, I think you and I are around the same age. We grew up Stockton to Malone, Jerry Sloan on the sidelines. Like those were connections to our childhood and when that era ended, I think there were many people who were like, "Okay, well great, but what else? like and the jazz to their everlasting credit, have been a very, very stable organization. Yes. They, they've won a lot of games. I think they're among the top three in the NBA in terms of overall wins as a franchise, something like that. It's just crazy what they've done, at least in the last 40 years. Let's be clear about that. But 
what they have done, and I'm with you, kind of that mid-2000 aughts to, I think, the latest iteration of the Jazz, the Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell Jazz, I think there are many Jazz fans who were, I call, what you say, casual fans. They were sitting back saying, okay, I'll check in from time to time if they're doing well, that 2008 uh, run to the Western Conference Finals. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they bought in at that point. But there were other years where they're like, eh, okay, whatever, I'll check in every so often. But recently, I think there have been literally thousands of Jazz fans who have been like, okay, the good times are back. I'm all in again. Yeah, that, for sure. That sounded kind of what what you you were describing. Yeah, yeah. No, like I've talked to people, you know, where they they've said that exact thing. Like even just in the couple of years, you know, mm-hmm. recently, you know, since Donovan Mitchell was drafted, is yeah. when a lot of them have started to come. But you know, I started to kind of get back into it during the Gordon Hayward era. Okay. Um, and you know, th- then Donovan Mitchell. Like I was still kind of a casual fan, but I was following a lot more than I was prior to that. Sure. I remember Donovan Mitchell getting drafted. Because I had just turned it on that day, I was like, "Yeah, why not?" See who watched the draft, Jesse, okay, and knew nothing about him. Started checking him out on social media, and uh, he said and did all the right things. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, just exploded onto the scene. And you know, after Hayward left, but you he, know, just a short time later, in many ways, he saved the Jazz from spinning back into that downtime that we had mm-hmm. seen before that. Because obviously, you saw Gordon Hayward makes an All Star team, and then he just bolts. Right. And we're all like we're at a loss of what's going to go on. And to think that Donovan Mitchell, as the 14th overall selection, comes in here as a rookie and is given just kind of the reins of the offense to go for it and just is absolutely marvelous. And he's been marvelous ever since. It's absolutely incredible just to look back at how those pieces kind of fell into place. Right. You know, and like, because I mean, I, I felt like when Gordon Hayward left, there was going to be kind of another, you know, it had been building momentum. The, the casual yeah. fans were starting to come back. Then that fateful July 4th. And I thought, well, here it goes. You know, everybody's going to stop caring again. And little did we know that that was actually going to be the starting point for a lot of people's rejuvenated fandom. It's, a, it's a, actually, and that's the funny thing about it is it's crazy how things kind of happen in pro sports. Uh, PK, who I work with on a daily basis, Monday through Friday on DJ and PK in the morning, always says that pro sports reinvent themselves. Mm-hmm. Players, they're always going to be these elite players. They just continue to reinvent the storyline, and that's what we saw with the Donovan Mitchell era of the Utah Jazz here. He came in as a rookie, and very early on, Quinn Snyder and the Jazz Brass saw something in this young, in this young man and said, you know what? We're going to put our full faith in him. And he had his struggles. Let's We all know that. We can look back. But what he's doing now, and obviously he's been out for the past, what, 15 games now without him on the court here. And we'll talk more about last night's game with the Thunder. We'll, that's kind of the main point of today's show is right. to talk. But the, the, the incredible thing is the steps he has taken in the young part of his career. Because he's still, what, 24 this year, I believe, for him, or 25 at the very oldest. It's absolutely incredible to see the steps he's taking, and he, it seems like the the ceiling isn't even close yet for him, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's he's the kind of player that you watch him every year, and you see the you you see the flashes and the potential and things like that. And it's like you know it's so easy to get caught up in that, but it, you know when you look at it more closely, it's like okay, here's a part of his game that also might be a red flag. Sure. And then a few weeks later, you notice noticeable improvement. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's. It's there. It's he. He's aware as yeah. well. He he. He's a student of his own game and focuses on those kinds of things. You you can tell that he's got the work ethic and the drive, and so it's it's incredible because a lot of these players, you know, you see these flashes of potential. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is in any sport. You'll see 
things that get a lot of people excited and they, for whatever reason, never feel like they fully measure up. And Donovan Mitchell is the first player locally in a long time that I feel like, you know, I mean, Rudy Gobert's another one with the Jazz. But, you know, him and Donovan Mitchell, it's just it's remarkable how much they improve in such a short amount of time sure. because of their awareness and their their drive. Well, and that's the thing about them. They're, they're self-driven. They, they, you mentioned the, the awareness. They have self-awareness. Okay, well, I'm struggling in this department. Let's go work on that. And the nice part also is the Utah Jazz, they've got a very, very good coaching staff. Quinn Snyder and all the guys who work around him, they are very, very intent on player development. I think they understand that, yes, Salt Lake City is never going to be a destination spot for the top-tier NBA free agents. And maybe we're going to be wrong about that one day, but I don't think we are. But I think they understand that the the route to them having success is to bring these players in and say, okay, we're going to work on these facets of your game, and we're going to make you guys the best players we possibly can do it. There's obviously a a component of it. The player has to be self-driven, as we've talked about. I think Rudy and Donovan are just like poster children for the fact that they, they're driven to be the best that they can be. But they also have these guys around them. This staff, they are very, very intent on showing guys on film, this is what you need to do, this is what we need to see improvement on, and these players go out and do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, earlier this year on one of the broadcasts, mm-hmm. uh, we, we played a segment from George Niang actually talking about the okay. coaching staff, identifying that with him. It was Alex Jensen took him aside and said, you know, do you want to be a rotational player? Do you want to know how to do that? Um, you know, explain to him that there's a lot of guys that end up in your position that sure. are with a team for a little bit and don't ever really get in, and then they find themselves out on the market again. Okay, and you know, he's like, "Do you want to be a lasting player in the NBA?" And told him, "Well, with this system, what we need you to do is make corner threes and play defense." Okay. And George Niang worked on those things, and now we've seen what he's been able to contribute. You know, he has become that that player because the the coaching staff. Uh, you know, approaches these guys and lets them know, here's what we need from you. Here's how to do this. And and they do it in a way that the players feel valued and, you know, they feel motivated to work. Well, I think that's a good stepping off point to talk about last night's game here because last night the Utah Jazz went to Oklahoma City and the Thunder, they're playing out the string right now. It's very, very clear. There's a lot of young players, they're trying to fi- find their footing in this league, but the Utah Jazz went to Oklahoma City and you could tell early on in the first quarter, this was going to be a game where the Jazz were just going to roll. The nice part was is that the Jazz were able to get everybody that I think was on the active roster last night got minutes in this game. And that's the good news. Even Udoka Azubike got in the game. Doke minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that guy, I honestly, truly thought his season was done this year. That you injury know, I, he suffered. <laughs> there, you know, it, it could have been Game 7 in the NBA Finals, and I thought he would still be listed as out on the injury report. Sure. Because that was it was... A gnarly injury. It was not a good ankle sprain, but uh, you know, it's been awesome to see him back on the floor. Absolutely. So, looking at last night's game, uh, Boyan Bogdanovic paces the Jazz with 22 points in this one. Jordan Clarkson in his bench roll comes off with 18 points. But uh, talking about what you what you were talking about there with the player development, guys like George Niang, he plays 21 minutes last night, scores 11 points. I think we can look up and down this roster, the guys who were able to play, I guess. M- meaningful minutes in this, and that's a relative term considering, as we mentioned, Oklahoma City, they're very much in tank mode, we're getting the best draft slot we can get, we're going to rebuild this thing from the ground, they got a bunch of draft picks, all that stuff, but the Jazz, the nice part was, these guys came in, and when it comes to the Utah Jazz, 
they don't change systems for their bench players versus their starters. This is this is a system that is ingrained, and these guys know this is the way we play. This is how we're going to go about it. And I think you would have you'd have a very unique insight into this because you've been listening and watching these games all year long. As to yeah, when you see a lineup up the, out there of let's say a Matt Thomas, Trent Forrest, Mieoni, Uduka Azubike, and maybe Juwan Morgan out there. Mm-hmm. Well, those are five guys who. In when the Jazz are at full strength, very rarely see minutes. But when they're out there together, you're seeing them run the same system that the Jazz starters are running. That's the fun part. I, I I really like the continuity there for sure. Yeah, and I think it 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 makes it makes the Jazz be able to to last through what they've lasted through these past few weeks, where two of their three All Stars are out with yeah. injury. Yes. And they can just plug and play mm-hmm. new pieces. And obviously, you know, whenever you lose guys like Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, it's not going to quite be the same sure. level of play. But the drop off is helped significantly by the fact that it is that system that everybody knows their role. Everybody knows exactly, you know, and they can just step up. You know, it's that next man up mentality where they don't have to change what they do. It's just. Okay, I'm stepping into this role now. You know, we've seen that with uh, Jordan Clarkson and mm-hmm. Boyan Bogdanovich over the past few games. And, you know, I mean, Bogey's been playing great yes. the past few games, um, which, you know, he's, he's said that a lot of that comes from him. You know, he had his struggles early on in the season. Sure. He really focused on his, you know, on his close to the rim game. He worked on getting there, making sure that he was making those buckets and, uh, you know, him seeing it go through the hoop from short range has helped his long range game as well. And he's just completely turned it around and, and stepped up when the Jazz have needed him to. Well, that's the thing. Uh, so, Bogey here, what we're seeing right now from him, I think there are many people last year when they were in the bubble down there in Orlando without Bogey, many people thought that he was the guy that probably would have pushed them over the top, maybe gotten them through that first round and on into the Western Conference semis and whatever else. Well, as you mentioned, early on this season, he had up and down. It was just really, it was a feast or famine. And there was a lot of down moments. But as you mentioned, there was, I, 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 this is just my observation. I don't know anything about this. It seems like to me that Quinn Snyder and the staff went to Bogey and said, you have a very, very good just all-around game. If your outside shot's not working for you, work it to the interior. Go to the bucket and get some confidence there. And as you mentioned, that, when he made that focus, started working inside, making those mid-range shots, getting to the rim, all of a sudden, it seemed like his three-point shot all of a sudden just opened up for him. Is that, am, I, am, I, am I seeing something different than you saw? No, that's, that's 100% accurate, you know, and that's, that's exactly what he said as well. You know, and, and he's, he's put, in, put in the work there because early on in the season as well, like, you know, I, I thought him driving to the rim was actually more of a liability than him staying out and trying to shoot the three. He had a, a, a several-game stretch where... He seemed intent on dribbling and driving yeah. mm-hmm. and would turn it over almost every single time. And then, you know, all of a sudden we saw him start backing guys down mm-hmm. instead of necessarily trying to drive as hard. He'd start backing guys down, get himself to the rim, make an easy bucket. And then in turn, he was able to start driving a little bit better, getting to the rim. Uh, he's talked about in a lot of his post games, you know, he's learned more. And Quinn has said the same thing as well. He's learned when to jump off two feet at the rim. He's learned, you know, and when to jump off one. You know, he's really worked on his game there. And that confidence has 
exploded to the rest of the floor for him. It, yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's to the point now where I don't think he doubts any part of his game anymore. I, I would agree with you. I think many of us can just kind of see that in his game right now. And the nice part is we're going to see Donovan Mitchell back on the court. And it's my opinion that game one of the playoffs, he'll be out there. That's mm-hmm. just my personal opinion. Once again, I am not the insider who has all this knowledge. By the way, those who claim they have inside knowledge of the Utah Jazz... I'd be very careful. They are buttoned up about as well as any franchise I have ever seen. Yeah, no, it's 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 locked down tight. And so, <laughs> you know, any and all opinions are opinions. Sure. And, you know, some of the time they're just opinions that I've heard from other people as well, you know, pa- passing that along. So, like, I agree with you. I think that Donovan will be out there. Um, well, my opinion, yes. you know, again, prefacing that, I think that part of the reason why Donovan was reevaluated and said, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to not play him for the rest of the regular season, then we'll sure. reevaluate him prior to playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think they're waiting to see who the matchup is. I That very well could be the case. And we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. We're going to talk more about the machinations because there's a massive tank-off going, it looks like, for certain teams. <laughs> Other teams are playing for the one seed, like the Utah Jazz. It's a very interesting dichotomy right now with these final few games, uh, two games, I think, in many cases, with regards to the final. The Jazz obviously have Sacramento tomorrow night. We'll talk about that here in a minute. But uh, final thing for me on Oklahoma City here was, what do we take away from that game, if anything, Alex? I don't feel like I learned anything about the Utah Jazz in that game. Did you learn anything? I don't know that there was a lot to learn uh, at this point. I, I, I mean... One of the things that was nice was to see the Jazz get back to having fun on the court. We saw that a lot early in the yeah. season when everybody was healthy mm-hmm. um, and they were just just flying. blowing teams yeah. up. Uh, you know, it wasn't a positive play, but I liked to see it when Rudy Gobert was dribbling up the court, went behind the back, okay. and then <laughs> dished it back court, and it was a turnover because over and back. Sure. I mean, that's the kind of play that you don't normally want to see in games, but it was mm-hmm. fun. And that was the kind of thing where it's like, okay, they're, they're, you know, they're relaxed, they're ready, yeah. they're, they're in a good spot mentally. We can see that cohesion as the team. You know, they're all there, they're ready to go. Their, their mindset is right. Yeah, and I agree with you on that point. Is like, yeah, they just, they, and that was the type of game to try something like that, right. if you're Rudy. Because let's be honest, you do that in game one of the playoffs, and you're going to have Quinn Snyder on the bench saying some naughty, naughty words at you. And you're going to see a lot of naughty, naughty words on your Twitter feed as well. <laughs> exactly. The fan base is not going to tolerate that. But yeah, so I just, the game last night, I just felt like it was just one of the final few games, one team very much playing for what's coming next, obviously, mm-hmm. and one team who was like, all right, how many ping pong balls can we can we garner out of this bad boy? And <laughs> you know what? That's just how the NBA goes. By the way, um, just one other thought on this. Do you like the play-in format, the play-in tournament thing? I love the play-in okay, tournament. See, I'm with you on that. I am all for it because it, it's made the last week of the season meaningful. It's it's given purpose to the game. Like, sure. you know, I mean, you know, usually we get to this point of the season and all everybody's resting everybody and it's basically tuning in for G League games with yep. NBA logos. Yeah, it's it was gearing up for the playoffs. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, "Okay, well, Get your body right, whatever. But there are teams literally playing for the playoff lives who otherwise probably would have shut it down weeks ago. Yeah, I, I, and I, I am in full. I, and I get, I, I get why Luka Doncic. I get why Rick Carlisle. I get why LeBron James over here when they were stuck. It looked like in that play in slot, we're like, well, whoever the hell that is needs to lose their job. Yeah. Thanks, LeBron. <laughs> well, we understand that you don't want to play extra games, but I'm with you. There are teams that have been. Otherwise, it would have been like, you know what, 
mail it in, we're, we're calling it a day, that now have said, okay, we're going to play because we can, if we have a chance here, we can get in. we got to win two games if you're the 10th seed or whatever to make it in, but you're still alive. That's the most important part. Right, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's going to take some adjustment. Some complaining was bound to happen because, you know, these guys are used to, okay, 7-8, that's, that's safe ground, mm-hmm. and it no longer is anymore. But the guys that are in the 9-10 spot, they're loving it. They're yes. excited. You know, for them, it's okay. You know, we're we're a miracle bucket away <laughs> from a playoff spot. And, and lest we forget, by the way, these are the these are the consummate competitors in these sports. They they don't they're not going out there just to play. Right. They they want to win. That's the fun part about it. So we're gonna find out. And it's still, there's still some movement that could happen. The Spurs who are going to face the Suns today and tomorrow, well, if they help the Jazz out and maybe win one of those games, that'd be great. But they're in the 10 slot right now. And yeah. they, they're still very much thinking, oh, you know what? We keep winning. We're going to be able to move on. They're going to be in that 10 spot, and they're going to see what they can do to hopefully make it into a first-round matchup. They could be a potential Utah Jazz first-round opponent if the Jazz clinch that one seed. I just... I have been a big proponent of it, but I also get, yeah, when these bigger names in the sport, when they're stuck in those slots, you may, you may have to play two, two or three extra games here. Why would I want to do that? Well, guess what? It gives teams like the Grizzlies, like the Spurs, it keeps them engaged. And that's the ultimate goal, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that this is very likely here to stay. I think the only reason that it might not be is if you get one of the big marquee matchups, which is very likely to happen in the West. You know, yeah. you get a Golden State versus the Lakers, and it's a, a one-and-done kind yeah. of a deal, almost. I mean, that would probably be a 7-8, so not but necessarily still, done. But, it, but potential, still, yeah. you know, like, one of those teams is at a very real risk of not making the playoffs early. And so if you get, you know, too many superstars, too many big-name teams that don't make it, then the NBA will probably go back to the drawing board and say, okay, this didn't actually make us the money that we thought. Sure. So uh, let's maybe retool this. But excluding that scenario, I think that this is going to draw big-time ratings. I think that the the NBA is going to make a lot of money with it. (laughs) I think that the fan base is going to absolutely eat it up. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the NBA is going to say, why didn't we do this sooner? Well, it still allow it also allows these teams to self hope to their fan bases too. Right, like the Spurs, they're, they're four games under five hundred right now, but they're still selling hope to the to San Antonio fans. And this is a very proud franchise. Let's be clear about the Spurs. Oh yeah, they five championships: the Tim Duncan, Monte Ginobili, Tony Parker era. Very recently ended, but they are still very very proud. And just seeing them have this opportunity, man, their fan base has got to be thinking, okay. Pop's going to do something here. It's postseason time. Pop's going to lead us through. And we'll find out. It'll be interesting. But all right, we're over time here on this first segment here. But you know what? We're having fun here on the Saturday show. So, Lundy, coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL. We saw the schedule revealed this week. I think there's some interesting matchups in there. We'll talk about that coming up later on in the show. We're going to be back an oldie but a goodie, our good friend Technical Fouls. We'll talk about some of the stupid things that have been done in sports over the past week and later on as well. We'll also talk more about the Jazz looking ahead to that matchup with Sacramento who apparently have decided, you know what, we're mailing it in, so we'll talk more about that later on. You're listening to The Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and The Zone Sports Network. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show. Jay Catch, Alex Lundberger, Lundy's, we're going to call him here on the Saturday show. Thanks for joining us here on a Saturday. We're, man, I got to say, when they told me we were bringing the show back, I'd been sitting there wondering, okay, well, are we ever going to do the Saturday show again? Because I really enjoyed doing it when I did it. And I did it for a relatively brief time. Austin and Adrian were kind of the main two that had done it for many, many years. And they brought me in on occasion. And then Austin is doing Utah Car Sense, who you just heard a little bit earlier on here on the station. And then Adrian moved on. He's now a high-flying volleyball coach, by the way. Congratulations to Weber State Wildcats. Him and the staff up there making the NCAA tournament. Really, really cool. So I'm carrying the torch on of having you on board to help us with it. And we're going to have some fun. I can tell you that much, folks. Yeah, it, it's been a blast so far. I mean, you know, still early on in my in my maiden voyage <laughs> on here. But I mean, you know, huge shoes to fill, but I'm excited. Yeah, we're going to have some fun with it. But let's talk a little about the NFL. Obviously, the NFL is a year-round league. It's, it's a year-round newsmaker, and they purposely build it that way. They, they know what they're doing. Let's right. be clear about this. This past week, in what is... Let's be clear, it should have been like a relatively downtime. They're like, hey, May 12th, we're announcing the NFL schedule. Get ready for that 256-game slate of games. Find out where your team is playing. And we all know that we all know the NFL teams, who they're going to play. The schedule reveal is to find out, okay, where and when are they playing these games. Right. And that is where the intrigue comes in. So, Lundy, you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Obviously, Joe Burrow is the great hope there in Cincinnati. I'm a San Francisco 49ers fan. Who knows what Trey Lance is going to do? We've also got the Jimmy G question. And we're going to talk about both of those teams, but we're going to talk about the schedule overall. What was your initial takeaway when it came to the NFL and kind of the way the games lay out this coming season? First off, I'm excited to see a 17-game season. Sure. I mean, you know, adding one in, who doesn't like more football, right? And so players apparently don't, but that's yeah, okay. That's that's and you know what? That's a fair you know thing for them to they're, be like. They're putting their bodies on the line. You know, it's it's a tough game physically, and they're like, really, we have to you know have to do this one more week. <laughs> and I mean, you know, the the schedule goes into January. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the the final Bengals game is January 9th. Okay, January 9th is the, the final the Browns. Weekend. Yeah. You know, which like battle for Ohio. Yeah. That. Great way to end the season. So, I mean, I, I was excited for that. Well, I mean, I probably won't be excited once the games actually start playing because it's the Bengals. But, I mean, you know, it's late into January. You know, college football will likely be, you know, playing the national championship probably, what, the next day? It's So it's that Monday. So, yeah, the 10th in theory, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, you'd be finishing the regular season in the NFL. You'd be looking out to the wild card games a week away from that. But then you'd have the college football season is coming to an end. It's full stop the day after this right. final regular season week. Because usually the two, I feel like it's not too far distant, you know, between the end of one and the end of the other. It's like eight or nine days, roughly. Yeah, you know, and so this, it's like, okay, college football ends, but the NFL... We're, we're just getting started. The playoffs haven't even started yet by the time that college football wraps up. And so more football is better for everyone, in my opinion, with you well, and, know, and it, the caveat it, of maybe the players. Now. And it's going to ramp up. The thing is, and here's my opinion on the schedule. We'll talk more about specific games here in a minute. I actually, when they were initially proposing expanding the season once again, 
I thought they should go to 18. Give each team two buys, mix it in, and I, I would have been fine moving the postseason all the way. So it'd be Super Bowl Sunday was the weekend of President's Day weekend, if that makes sense. And so mid-February. That was my opinion on it. I also get why they went to 17 here because it's my opinion, and this is just me. I think eventually they're going two games over in London this year. They've played in Mexico City in the past. They've talked about wanting to play in Canada, play in Brazil. I think Every team in this league eventually, that 17th game is going to be an international game. I think they're going to go all over the world and try and expand this game. Whether you're playing in Asia, whether you're playing in Europe, South America, even they could go to Africa, go to South Africa, etc. They, they're going to expand this game. It is my opinion that all 32 teams eventually are going to play an international game every year somewhere on the globe. And I know that the scheduling of that and the travel and everything entailed is going to be just havoc it feels like but I think that the, that's what the NFL is intent on doing here I'm with you though more football nothing wrong with that yeah no and you know that's actually something that I hadn't considered both the uh you know push it to 18 and have the Super Bowl on President's Day weekend because hey, that's that's a brilliant idea because everybody wants that Monday off that Monday's off yeah. you know like just give out like just build that in that's yeah. brilliant but also you know international is something that I hadn't considered too much but, you know, it works really well because you look at a lot of these teams, you know, like, I mean, Green Bay and Minnesota, for example, you're expecting them to play home games in early January. Yeah. You know, that's like I get that playoffs usually, but that like that's not something that's guaranteed every year, but it is now. Yeah. And that's just kind of miserable for the players. That's miserable for the fans. You make that international, you can go somewhere where. You know, it's it's 70 degrees or more. You know, you don't have to worry about rain or snow or any of those kinds of, you know, you can schedule something in a place where conditions are perfect. Sure. You, you know, some of those wealthier fans are going to travel. Oh, yeah. So you're going to make money with that. But also just that that local market, you expand the brand. You, you know, I mean, it's 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 a really smart business move, I think. Well, the London London games alone, and they're going to be playing at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium over there. It's been built specifically to host football games. The London games, when they played at Wembley and whatnot, they've been huge crowds. And I think that's what the NFL is looking at and saying, wow, 70,000 people at Wembley want to watch American football? Okay, why can't we go to the Maracana down there in Brazil? Why can't we go to Olympic Stadium up in Montreal? Why can't we go to Vancouver and get these fans who probably are watching it and say, we're coming to you guys. You can come see us play in person. It's just, in my mind, and we all know how NFL owners operate. They're all billionaires, and they don't, right. they don't make bad business decisions. Let's be clear about that. They're just looking at it saying, just cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. There's dollar signs everywhere. Yeah, and you know, and it, it's it's building that market, building that brand. You know, and if they get to a point sometime down the road, I don't think it's anytime soon, but they get to the point where they want to continue to expand the league. Mm-hmm. You've got now all of these naturally created fan bases where yeah. you can do that and be successful with it. If they're going to expand internationally, there are two markets I think they've already tested that would be the initial ones: London. Mexico City. Yeah, absolutely. And going to 34 is weird to me, but maybe eventually, let's say there's franchises who get discontented with where they're located. We've seen the Raiders move multiple times. <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders, okay, whatever. But maybe eventually, I could see Shad Khan. Obviously, he's got connections to London. Jacksonville doesn't work out in the long run. Maybe Jacksonville moves to London. But 
I'm with you. They're testing these markets, and they're going to find really quickly if they start going to these other markets, okay, that was a bullseye. That was great over here. Let's say they go to this X country. They go to another country, not so good. Okay, well, we, we tried, and it did not work out. I think that the, the NFL... This is this league just it prints money. It feels like there, okay. there's just no way to, for them to too big to fail. I guess is the term to use. But I really think that the way they're thinking about this is we're expanding the game internationally, and all it's going to do is continue to add money to the coffers of all of those owners. Yeah, for sure. And so yeah, it's it's something that I'm I'm looking forward to. You know, I'm excited about the prospects of this. You know, to see how that 17th game goes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because like you said, I think that that does provide a great opportunity for you know expanding the markets and things like that. But for the meantime, you know, 17 games it's great for us as fans because it's more football here and now. You know, we get one more week of the bliss. We get to just <laughs> you know sit there on Sunday morning or sometimes Monday night, and uh, you know just kind of enjoy the the sport at its highest level. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of the scheduled games this year. A lot of people made a big deal of the New England Patriots hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady's return to Foxborough in Week 4. Are you as... Okay, this is... Okay, let me get, give me your opinion real quick, and I'll explain what my feeling on it. What do you think of that? Is it, is it to be put up as... like People are saying it could be the biggest regular season game in NFL history. Ooh, I, I, I don't know about that. Just because I don't feel like New England right now is a super strong and uh, like Super Bowl contender, you know, I mean, like Bill Belichick, you can never write him off. No, um, but I mean, the Patriots are not what the Patriots were when Tom Brady was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like I would be much more interested in, you know, a, a in, in in a Tampa Bay. Chiefs rematch just sure. to see okay how have the these guys you know how has this been retooled how are how how's how are the Chiefs ready to counter you know have they made any adjustments since the Super Bowl have they built up a, a pass protection because that really is what hurt them in that game you know it wasn't necessarily competitive but would it be this time now that they're you know they've had the off season to, to kind of retool their rosters and so that, to me, is something that would have more of a draw than, I mean, obviously Tom Brady going home, in qu- air quotes, you know, going <laughs> home to... Get booed by his former yeah, aficionados. And, yeah, and just, you know, like, that's going to draw headlines. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I don't know that I would say that it's the biggest regular season game, um, even of this season. So Yeah, so... and. I think the biggest thing here locally is obviously there's going to be all eyes on Zach Wilson with the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. We'll see how he does. I think Taysom Hill with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, if he can win the starting job, there's, there's going to be a big battle between him and Jameis Winston down there in the Big Easy. But those are games that people are going to pay attention to. What other games, in your opinion, just kind of the overall schedule, are you looking forward to? I, I, is there like a game or I guess a series of games to you that are like, okay, that's what I'll be watching that, even though if, even if it doesn't include your Bengals or say my San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always like to watch the games that have local ties. So, sure. you know, anybody from a local team, Utah, BYU, Utah State. Zach Moss and the Bills versus Zach Wilson and the oh, man. Jets twice. See, <laughs> see, and that is something that would be must watch. Uh, the Jets and the 
Colts sure. is going to be a good one just mm-hmm. because of the, the rivalry ties there with uh Yeah, Julian you know, Black. Ju- yeah, Julian Black. Cousins, right? Is that, yeah. yeah. They're cousins and you know, the last two times that they've played, Julian Blackman's gotten that pick six and, you know, <laughs> kinda come away with you know, so he's gotten the better of his of his cousin Zach Wilson, right? And the, and so there's that natural storyline built in from a local angle here that I'm interested to see. Where it's okay, does that trend continue, or you know, Zach Wilson now with professional coaches, professional facilities, doesn't have to worry about class, can focus on football the whole time. Mm-hmm. Can he make that extra step and now get the better of Julian Blackman? Well, and I think that's the thing a lot of people are wondering about. Okay, is this Zach Wilson? He's obviously the hopes are being pinned from the New York Jets franchise on him. And I did a podcast recently with some guys out there in New York, and they were asking me, "Well, Jake, what is Zach Wilson expecting to do here?" I'm like, "Well, I think he expects to be the guy synonymous with Joe Namath. Like, let's be honest, the Jets' greatest player in their franchise history is Joe Namath, mm-hmm. 50 years ago. <laughs> think about that: five zero, 50 years of just complete and utter mediocrity at the best. It feels like, yeah." Zach Wilson is going to go in there, and he's got a lot of work ahead of him. There's no doubt about that. New coaching staff, new regime there. It'll be interesting. I think a guy that he's going to be tied to, speaking of Zach Wilson, is the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, Urban Meyer taking over there as the head coach. He's making the jump from the college game to the NFL. He was all in on Trevor Lawrence all the way. Uh, Believes he is just a franchise-changing player. But I truly think he and Zach Wilson and the other quarterbacks taken in the first round are always going to be linked to Trey Lance, Mac Jones, as well as Justin Fields. They're all going to be linked together. Those five linked together. But I think these top two, how their career arcs play out, they're both on the East Coast. One is uh, down in Jacksonville. The other one's up in New York. I think how things play out, a lot of people are going to kind of play off of either one of them. So do you think Urban Meyer's set up to succeed here? Because I think he's too smart not to have success with Jacksonville, but maybe not initially. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, I mean, like, on the field watching it, there's not a lot of difference between the game in college and the NFL, but sure. from a coaching perspective, there seems to be a lot of difference because guys that do well in college have not always been super successful at the NFL level. Mm-hmm. You well, know, just, I mean, ask, just ask Nick Saban. Yeah, exactly. You know, Nick Saban, uh, Chip Kelly yep. really struggled. You know, we, we see this, I would say, more frequently than not, that yeah. guys that are great at college coaching don't really pan out in the NFL. Sure. Um, you know, Pete Carroll did great for a while, but I know that some people have started to kind of take issue. There are Seattle fans who I know personally who think Pete Carroll needs to be out in Seattle. Right. And, you know, that started with that, you know, fourth down Super Run Bowl. Run the ball. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, at that point, people are now questioning, okay, was it a flash in the pan? Is he actually not a good? And so I'm interested to see how Urban Meyer does. I think some of his moves have been interesting so far. I think this uh, Tim Tebow signing is very interesting because, you know, he's going to find a way to get Tim Tebow on the field, but I actually don't think that it's necessarily for his athletic prowess that he's bringing him on. I think that it is because there is a rookie quarterback and he, having coached Tim Tebow before, knows his leadership qualities sure. and wanted a mentor. I'm just not sure that Tim Tebow at 34, 33 years yeah. old is <laughs> going to be that guy, but that's just me. Right. Yeah, no, and I, so like, I don't think that that's going to be, I, like I said, I don't think it's necessarily an on-the-field yeah. signing. Um, you know, I, there were 
rumblings and speculation that, you know, he had reached out to Alex Smith as well. Oh, yeah. Um, prior to Alex's retirement. And it would probably be for a similar thing where it's, you know, look, I'm not planning on you putting up big numbers on the field. I want you here in the locker room and working with this guy and getting him into the playbook and helping sure. me build something for the future. I can see that. Absolutely. Okay. So last thing here from me, Alex, at this juncture right now, are your Cincinnati Bengals going to be making the playoffs this year? No. Okay. Fair enough. Very definitive. I like it. No, not even, not even close. Uh, you know, had they drafted Penny Sewell, then I think that maybe we could start to have a discussion. I still okay. think the answer would be no. Okay. Because I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done. But you think that'd be a closer with him actually in the fold? Yeah, I think it would be a lot closer because, you know, watching the Bengals last year, the issue wasn't the receivers. No. They're, it was very clear. They had pretty good talent out yeah. there. It, it, was, it was very much that Joe Burrow was it, on the ground every single play. He's getting harassed. And, you know, like, it's, it's no... I mean, you watched the first game and you're like, this guy's not playing a full season. And to be honest, he lasted longer than I expected. He took a lot of punishment. Dude was tough. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think they drafted the way that they probably, you know, it wasn't the most responsible drafting. I think it was the flashy drafting. They wanted sure. to, to, you know, make the waves, you know. They kinda, won the press conference. Sure, yeah. But it was, you know, you, you look underneath and it's like, okay, you know, like there's no doubt that Jamar Chase will be a great NFL wide receiver. It's very clear what he did yeah. at LSU. There's no doubt about that, that. Like, no question, he was the best receiver in the draft. He's going to be in the league for a long time, barring crazy injury or sure. anything unfortunate yeah. like that. I think that the responsible, you know, for the long term of the team would have been to draft Penny Sewell and to build that offensive line, get your quarterback protected, and then you can worry about getting him better tools. But yeah. you need to keep him on his feet first. You gotta be able to make the throw. There's yep. no doubt about that. All right. Well, coming up next, we will get to one of our favorite segments from the old iterations of the Saturday show. It is technical fouls. Um, highlighting people who have been dumb in sports over the past week. We'll get to that here in just a moment. This is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. You heard it right. It is technical fouls time. Um, when I was doing the show with Adrian, I was talking about like, highlighting people who are dumb in sports. And highlight sounds like the wrong word to use, but spotlight maybe? I don't know. It, it's just one of those segments where people have been dumb and we're going to highlight what they have done that's insane, stupid, idiotic, insert whatever phrase you want to use here. So, Alex, because this is your maiden voyage on this side of the glass... Fire away with your first technical foul of the, I guess, new year for us. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's been a long time since we've done this. So there was kind of a plethora of stories that we sure. could have picked from. The one that I wanted to, to draw attention to, though, and, you know, because it was worthy of a, of a technical foul, uh, was the, the, uh, the Vivian Lakers Twitter account. Oh, um, yes. Okay, yes. Where, you know, super fan on Twitter, ever, 
like all the Lakers people know, and then all of a sudden, kind of uh, disappeared. We had a missing persons case on Twitter, so people started going into it, and then some questions started to arise as to who this person was. And as things continued to escalate, we found out that this was actually a catfishing scenario, where a super fan and like you know supermodel, yeah, in air quotes, Vivian was not actually a real person. It was somebody that had been for a while. I mean, long enough to make a, a strong Twitter presence, you know, had been fooling the world and kind of created an online meltdown during games. And it was just kind of, uh, I mean, from an outside perspective, it was fun to watch. But it was, uh, you know, I mean, Technical foul on anybody for catfishing. I mean, we've seen it sure. before, you know, with Manti Teo. Manti Teo, yeah. You know. Lene Kakua. Right. Rest in peace. You know. And as somebody who spends more time than he should on dating apps, like, if you're a fake person online, like, you know, just instant technical foul. We're, we're okay. just, you know, like. Just technical foul. Zero <laughs> tolerance. You, you know, you're using somebody else's photos as your own technical foul on the spot. I got mad respect for you to be able to to navigate that life because I've been married for six years now and just the thought of like dating apps, man, they were kind of in their early stages when I got married. Just seems like a whole, whole different world. It is the absolute worst. (laughs) All right. All right, Alex. I got one here, and this comes from Tom Brady. And he asked this question on the Complex Sports Podcast, and here's, here's the quote. I got a question for you. How could you hate me when you're a Giants fan? You should love me. That was the only team I never beat was the freaking Giants. It's all good. I've got to figure out how to beat the Giants someday. Maybe we got to have some type of rematch now that I'm in Tampa in a championship game, unquote. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so there's a lot to unpack here, but the main part that just irks me, and it, it does a lot, because this happens to a lot of people. When somebody who is the best or one of the best at their sport mm-hmm. says, why does everybody hate me? It's well. like, well, because you're the best and sports fans are irrational. Like, that's just the nature of the beast. You know, I mean, I remember a handful of years ago, I think it was LeBron towards the end of his heat tenure. Yeah. You know, said something similar. And Dwayne Wade, you know, also kind of chimed in where they were like, you know, just so many haters. I don't understand it. And it's like, you know who else had a lot of haters? Michael Jordan. I was going to say. And I know that because I was one of them. The, the man who you want to emulate and like you say one of your heroes in the game. Yeah. The dude had haters everywhere. Right. You know, like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. These are guys that, you know, like while they play, you actively hate them and you don't realize how much you love and respect them until after they retire because you're so consumed by your hatred while they're mm-hmm. playing. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. So that's technical fouls for this week. If you guys have things you see throughout the week, you guys out there listening, send them in. Lundy, where can they find you on Twitter, by the way? Uh, it's at 247Lundy. 247Lundy. I'm at Jacob C. Hatch. If you guys have them, send them in. We are happy to talk, and we'll give you guys full credit for sending them in. We love doing stuff like this, and I'm with you. Tom Brady, can you just have a little, like, understand that, yes, you're going to be people that are just going to be haters out there. Why would you hate me? I'd never beat your team. Um, well, you're Tom Brady, so yeah. I don't know what else. How could we not? Like, look at you. You're... <laughs> You're a beautiful man with seven Super Bowls. Like, yeah, and you're married to a supermodel. Yeah, like, here. we hate you because we 
want to be you. Yeah, so, okay, whatever. All right, Tom Brady. All right, so that's technical fouls. Coming up next, you're going to hear from the Utah Jazz after the win against Oklahoma City last night. Quinn Snyder, Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert. I'm excited to hear from Mike Conley because obviously we'd seen him back on the court last night. We'll also take a look ahead to the matchup with the Sacramento Kings. That's all coming up here on the Saturday Show.